Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of M365 Voice. I'm Antonio Mayo. I'm Sarah Hazi. And Mike Marani. And today we're going to get another question from our cup and see what kind of topic we can talk about. That's right. We've got our Microsoft Ignite Podcast Center mug with uh, the Pandora's box of questions, thoughts, or things to react to on the fly. So we're going to go ahead and reach in. Are you ready? Yes. I can't uh, believe you called it Pandora's box, though. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do never know what we're going to get. All right. Uh, here's our question. It's a long one, so get ready. Um, how do you set up a strategy for Yammer? Our HR and corporate communications department is nervous about GIFs or GIFs and having Yammer groups about non-business topics. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. That's an interesting one. I have a lot of thoughts about this one. Okay. Uh, who uses Yammer in their company? I do a bit, uh, mostly with my clients because I am a one-man or just a couple of consultants just doing work. But when I am with clients deploying Yammer, definitely I'll get involved with them. Okay. We use it for uh, informal communications primarily. Um, some of our leadership is on it and they will share um, information about kind of town halls, global town halls we do with the company and the occasional question. I, I won't say it's used heavily, but it's also, it is used regularly, just not super heavily. Yeah, we use it as well for informal uh, conversations. And actually, though, quite a bit of dialogue happens in Yammer. Um, and I think that there's always, um, I think that there's pretty significant pockets of the organization that Yammer really resonates with people in a different way than many of the other capabilities within Office 365. So I actually really like this question. And I think it's pretty common. I hear a lot of people talk about how do I get started with Yammer? And how do we feel comfortable? Um, I'm not sure that many of our HR departments or corporate communications departments are natively feel comfortable with the idea of Yammer, right? Because um, there are so many conversations that happen in Yammer that are work-related. But in order to get people interested in going to Yammer, there's going to be a lot of non-work-related topics there as well. And they're fostering a platform where those things can take place. So I think it's interesting. Uh, do you moderate it? Do you not moderate it? Who's responsible for what happens out on Yammer and policing that or not policing, but keeping an eye on things and making sure appropriate action is taken? So the moderation question is an interesting one. Our company does do some moderation of Yammer. I don't think it's heavy. Um, and we actually have a... Um, Kind of a, a content owners team, a content ownership team that is responsible for keeping content up to date and fresh on our intranet, um, as well as Yammer, as well as moderating and administering Yammer and promoting its use. And, and its use has taken a lot of promotion over time. I don't find the promotion is just a one time thing or even just a few times. For Yammer in particular, for us, I think it has taken a lot of. Um, communications out to people to remind people that it's there, to post content there that people will want to go to to help to promote its usage. Right. So do both of you uh, measure the use of Yammer within your organizations and to see if it's been used and heavily used uh, 
and do you take any actions based on whatever results you get? Yes. Um, and that's actually a really interesting topic. So one of the things that um, I implemented, and I've got a blog post on it, um, is leveraging Azure Cognitive Services to do sentiment analysis on Yammer posts. And you can deploy it at specific Yammer communities, Yammer groups. Um, and uh, I have recommended doing it and uh, we leverage it for our Office 365 community, for example, to be able to go out and take a look at those um, posts and to be able to provide sentiment analysis. And um, one of the interesting things about that is that I think it really gleans the ability to kind of have a check engine light on where are your outliers or how are things changing over time? Um, and I'll give you an example you can actually use, and I've built some uh, very simple Power BI dashboards to be able to take a look at um, uh, responses and sentiment of Yammer posts over time to be able to determine how they're changing. So if we have a user, for example, let's take Antonio, he's a frequent poster to Yammer and most of his posts are generally neutral to positive. But all of a sudden in the last two months, his comments have become increasingly more of a negative score from a sentiment analysis perspective. That gives me an indication as an Office 365 practitioner then Antonio may be having some difficulties with something related to maybe his network connectivity, his PC performance, something about Office 365. What a great opportunity for me to identify that Antonio may be a great person for me to set up a few minutes to have coffee with, to chat with, to say, hey, has something changed? And so I, I like looking at it and measuring that activity more as an, an entry into having conversations. That's a great idea to measure the sentiment of posts on Yammer. And are you able to actually see, like, are you able to identify the the person that is, you know, their, their posts have changed to a negative point of view, or is it more aggregate? Yeah, you can look at it in an aggregate or down to the person. That's really interesting. That's awesome. I hadn't thought of that, actually, of using uh, sentiment analysis and cognitive services for that. Because that, like I've always thought of, like your question, Mike, I've always thought of um, measuring usage as just measuring how much is it being used. Correct. The idea right. of using sentiment analysis is really interesting because you can get an idea of how are people using it? Are people having a hard time with it? Or are people being negative about some other topic in the company or about their yeah. life in general? And it's really relevant right now, right? Um, so in the days of, of COVID um, and just the worldwide uh, watching for that, you do have the ability within Yammer as well to have watch words or monitored keywords. Um, so uh, you can monitor keywords like COVID-19 or coronavirus or pandemic or epidemic. But in addition to that, doing that sentiment analysis with Azure Cognitive Services enables you to kind of take a temperature reading on what is the trending um, as to the sentiment of what people are posting. And I think that Yammer is particularly good at doing that sentiment analysis based on the type of messages and post content that is put into Yammer on a regular basis. Very cool. Um, yeah. Now, in our company, I'm just a user of Yammer. I'm not, um, although I work heavily with the Microsoft 365 platform, uh, our company doesn't actually let me administer our corporate M365 platforms. I'm purely a user. Um, 
So when it comes to developing a strategy, because I think that was part of the question, Sarah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, how do you set up a strategy? strategy? Where do you start in that? So one of the things that I've that I've always recommended for other companies and that I've done myself at several organizations that I've been at is that I always want to start by building a relationship with the relevant departments. In some companies, it's going to be HR. Other companies, it might be your employee communications team. It might be your labor relations team, whatever's going to be relevant for you. Um, one of the things that I've had success with over time is laying out a strategy and frankly at a lot of companies they want some kind of a strategy plan document policy something around how we're going to leverage Yammer. what are the use cases what are the the rails on it right what are we going to do and not going to do in terms of granting people access monitoring moderating um and one of the things that i've seen that's worked really well is instead of taking a tactic of trying to get a consortium together and build that strategy document together one piece at a time, is having a a product team who owns Yammer from an enterprise perspective, start putting together a skeleton around what that strategy should look like, and then meet with all of the relevant teams to review that strategy and update it on the fly. Because that kind of gives you a running start so that you're not literally writing the strategy a word at a time altogether, but you can kind of say, hey, we're gonna make some assumptions, we're gonna propose X, and then we can modify from there um, and in an agile way, evolve it to be what makes us feel more comfortable. So uh, with that in mind, do you uh, come back and devise that strategy throughout the time? Let's say every six months, we're gonna go and look at the the analytics of Yammer and the usage and how everyone is perceiving the actual use of Yammer. Do you go, do you suggest that? Well, basically from a strategy perspective, we thought it's gonna look like this, we, we put out the plan, but it's not really working. We might have to change it a bit. Yes, we do. And and honestly, and it wasn't in this question, but you know, the other system that I think that that model works really well for is Microsoft Stream. Because if you think about it, Stream is actually, although it's about video and Yammer is about those conversations, Stream is also a similar system in the sense that it has a it has a huge level of undertaking. But again, these same departments, your employee relations department, corporate communications and HR are going to be very keenly interested what are you doing with stream? What kinds of videos are being uploaded to it? So it's a very similar model for being able to have those conversations. Yeah, and I can see the strategy you suggested of start, you know, have the, the product team that owns it, that owns the solution, start with a skeleton and, you know, then meet with the teams and revise the skeleton on the fly based on feedback. Because I, I could see that if you took, especially with something that, like Yammer that a lot of people don't necessarily understand until they're into it and use it, um, if you were to just sit down with them and say, so there's this thing Yammer, what do you want to do with it? I don't know if people will really know where to start. Right. Whereas if you have people that know the solution and have some understanding of it, propose a place to start that can at least allow you to expand from there. Right. Um, yeah, I like that strategy. Um, now, if I can ask, because I don't know a ton about Yammer, to be very honest. Um, I do remember, though, that last year there was a new Yammer web part that was released for... SharePoint Online. So you can have your Yammer conversations right on a SharePoint page. Right. Um, I kind of wonder what have you seen be most successful? So using that in the context of a SharePoint site or the actual Yammer interface itself and directing people there for conversations or both? 
I think both. Um, the great thing about the updated um, Yammer web parts that Microsoft has come out with, and they came out with one about, what, a year and a half ago, uh, and another one is coming out um, now or just came out. Um, they've been making it easier and easier to be able to expose Yammer in different areas of the company and SharePoint Online and and um, and in other areas because they're even broadening that reach beyond SharePoint. But what's great about it is, is that it enables people to have a window view into Yammer to be able to follow Yammer threads, to be able to post things to Yammer, and then be able to launch out to the full Yammer experience when they want to. So it really just takes those conversations and it enables them, it surfaces them at different levels. I love it. Um, I think that it's a great way for those who maybe don't use Yammer to be able to say, oh, wow, that's an interesting conversation. See it in a SharePoint Online site and be able to participate, even if they don't want to shell out to the full Yammer app. Yeah. Cool. Talking talking selfishly about it a little bit, um, I like the, so from what I saw, I do like the new web part, the new Yammer web part sitting on a SharePoint site page. It, and I say self selfishly because it reminds me that Yammer is there. Um, and, and what I mean is I have so many communication mechanisms between my work and my personal life, right? I have my work email, I have my work, my home email. I have Microsoft Teams where I'm on 80 different teams across seven tenants. I have Facebook, I have Twitter, I have LinkedIn. By the time I get through all that, I've forgotten that Yammer existed. So having it appear in the context of the other places where I work helps me to remember, oh yeah, there's this thing is there and oh, there's an interesting conversation. I, I really like it integrated that way. And I don't think you are the only one. A lot of a lot of people that we have a lot of communication channels. Whether you name them all, probably you name most of them. Uh, whether from Teams, from emails, from private chats, from the external personal uh, social networks we're part of. Uh, so having that in your face, kind of thing. If you want to call it in your face, and when you go to your intranet, you can see it. It kind of reminds you, yes, that is another communication channel, or maybe some some topic that I have I'm not aware of. It's pretty interested in Yammer. And there's a point that Microsoft is developing a Yammer app for Microsoft Teams. So if you are living in Teams, you can go and you can see it there and can get to it, browse whatever you want to browse to, and then be part of the conversation and get out. Uh, that's a really cool thing to have. Yeah. Exactly. And it helps you jump right into the Yammer topics that you might care about based on the context of where you are, either on a SharePoint online site or in Teams, where you don't have to go out to Yammer and then try and find the right group. It's surfacing it to you. It's recommending a group that's relevant based yeah. on where you currently are. Yeah. Big win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was another interesting piece of functionality that was announced, and that was, um, I think, be able to mark a post as an answer or mark an answer. Yeah, best answer. Thank you. Um, do you guys <laughs> do that? Have you seen that be useful? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have. And uh, what's great about it is that um, you can now mark an answer or a response. So if you have a Yammer post and then you have a thread of posts of replies to it, you can mark any of those replies as a best answer uh, to the question and it moves it to the top. Um, so it's basically featured at the top of the list of, of the replies. Really great way to be able to uh, highlight uh, something that somebody found to be a best response. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what about external networks, Sarah? You're, you're the expert in Yammer. Have have you implemented it? Have you seen it with clients? Uh, and how do you manage that? How do you moderate when you open up your Yammer network to external guests? And um, what's the best strategy for that? Oh, that's a really good question. I think first and foremost, I think you need to de really determine 
what is the use case and what is your acceptable level of uh, use and risk for your internal network and your external network? Because those are going to be very different. Right. If you're running an external network for your customers, you're probably going to want to monitor that, um, frankly, even more than you do for your internal employee network, because you want to make sure those customers are being well serviced uh, by your company and by your needs. If I were running an external Yammer network, for example, uh, for the SharePoint Saturday Twin Cities community, I, from a use case perspective, wouldn't really feel much of a need to have anything proactive other than have it be self-monitoring, where people could um, come back and say, hey, I didn't think that this post was appropriate, but you know, kind of make it self-policing. So I think it all comes down to what is the use case, what type of community, either internal or external, are you trying to run? And just make sure that you're being pragmatic, because I think sometimes we can get so we can overdo governance and moderation. I think we have to keep it specific to what are we trying to do and what are we worried about and be realistic about what that level of risk is. So I have one more question about Yammer and this is kind of getting back to the basics of it because I still get questions from customers around which communication mechanism should I use for what purpose. So when we think about Yammer, versus Teams versus, and I know you guys are gonna think it's very basic, but what is the primary use case for Yammer internally within a company? Can we talk about that for a minute? Like mm -hmm. what do you see that be? Yes, good point. So we've, we've, we've learned about, or we've heard about Yammer is for broader network for the, for the whole company, where Teams is specifically for groups or departments or projects. We also have, from a team's perspective, you can have an org-wide team. Exactly. Uh, up to 10,000, I think, right? That's the 10,000 uh, users is the number. I think right now, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a very good point that if, if you want to open up the conversation to the rest of the organization versus having a groups of teams or groups of people having that post and conversation within a specific group with, if you want to call them silos of, of, of teams rather than announcements, and um, um, broadcasting news uh, through Yammer. If you're not going, you're not doing it through the an intranet homepage. So that's basically my experience or the story I've been telling some of the clients in terms of Yammer versus Teams. I think that's a really good response. And I, I, you know, what I find interesting, the people that I don't have these conversations with are my actual users who use both Yammer and Teams. They seem to figure it out really pretty easily. And here's why. If I have a question, um, if I can't get Outlook to connect, meaning I've logged into my computer, I'm logged into VPN, and for whatever reason, my Outlook won't connect, um, I'm going to open up my mobile app and I can choose to go and post this question on Teams to my work team that I work with, or I can go and post it on my Yammer network. Most of my users are going to go post it on Yammer. Why are they going to go post it on Yammer? There's a broader reach of people who might have run into the same problem that are going to reply back with a potential answer to my question. Yeah, very good point. And it's a simple example, but it's one that I see my users doing uh, with a lot of frequency where they really are trying to find someone who can help connect them with someone else or answer a specific question. And they're really making natively pretty good choices, or maybe they've tried to post it over in Teams or send a couple people an email, haven't gotten a response, and then they're going to try Yammer. And all of a sudden, they're, they're able to get a broader response from people they know and people they don't know, right? That's the standard case for Yammer. 
So that's interesting that you what you said there at the beginning because you made me think about who I have these conversations with. So um, you said you don't have these kinds of conversations with your end users because um, they figure it out. And and if I think back to who has raised like from our customers who has raised those questions with me, it's typically IT that is trying to figure out how do I roll this thing out. Um, if I think back to sometimes where I've had customer conversations with like a marketing team or a contact team, content team or a, a knowledge team, they don't ask that. They kind of know that it's it's really a tool for a broad reach of people. So that's interesting. Um, the way I have thought of Yammer too, or the way I've explained it sometimes is, you know, if you work in a really large organization and you have an interesting interaction with, you know, you're you're not a high level, you're not someone at a high level in the company, right? You're not C-suite, you're not VP, you're just a regular person, a regular employee of a big company. And you have an interesting interaction with a, with a customer. You're not going to go email that to the CEO, right? You just won't in a really big company. Right. If you have a company of 10, 20, 30,000 people, you're not going to send that to the CEO. But you might post that to Yammer, right? An internal Yammer network. I had this great interaction with this customer. They, you know, we did this with them and so on. And if your CEO is engaged in Yammer and they see that, and let's say they're about to have some sort of high-level interaction with the same customer, they're more likely to reply to that, right? You might get a reply to them there. Or if the CEO posts something, um, you might reply to them in Yammer because it is considered you know, something for broad-based communication. But you're never going to email that directly to someone at that high of a level. So I find it interesting for opening up those kinds of communications with people that you wouldn't normally exchange communications with. Mm -hmm. I think a good use case as well. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's often how I've, one of the use cases I've explained with it. Excellent. Conversation about Yammer. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a great question to bring up um, or a great topic to talk about. Um, so thanks to, to both of you guys on that. I think that was an excellent conversation. Um, and hopefully people find that useful to learn more about Yammer. That's great. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you again uh, in the next episode. Bye. Thank you. Bye.